Let's start with the biggest story of the week. What's up, kinfolk? It's RJ Young. I am not on a step mill. Thank you for watching. Wherever you get this podcast, YouTube or Fox Sports, the app, you should go check that out. But today we need to talk about the biggest news that has already occurred, which is that Northwestern will no longer be coached by Pat Fitzgerald. So this has moved Northwestern into a very interesting point in their football history, as you would understand that Northwestern has kind of been pretty doggone decent in football over the last decade or so, having played in the Big Ten championship game as recently as 2020 and having really put out a product that Northwestern fans could be proud of. But now with Pat Fitzgerald, who I think is the winningest or one of the winningest coaches in Northwestern history, no longer leading that program, there's a vacancy, there's a void for which they're going to have to find not just a familiar face, but a face that everybody wants to get behind leading this Wildcat program in the direction that they were heading. Frankly, I mean, we're talking about perhaps the one of the more decorated players in addition to coaches in Pat Fitzgerald and a guy that I thought would, you know, be there as long as Kirk Ferentz is at Iowa for some reason or another because he's so tied to the program. However, if you are looking at the future of Northwestern football and you're a Northwestern fan, so you are, lots of reasons for you to be excited, right? One of those is at the end of the 2023 season, they're going to begin breaking ground on an $800 million project that is going to lead to new facilities that involve, among others, a new stadium. They've been playing at Ryan Field for the better part of 100 years, I believe 97 years they played at Ryan Field. And now they're going to build a new uh, facility that's going to take 12,000 seats down, but also make it a packed house at 35,000 with a roof that refracts noise. I like to think that that's just going to make it into a tin can. And if that makes it something that is similar to Lucas Oil Stadium, that's going to be a rocket's place. Uh, having been to Lucas Oil Stadium a couple of times for Big Ten championship games, I can tell you, man, I can't hear myself think there when folks are going crazy. And if that's the atmosphere that you're trying to create for Northwestern football, you're in a really good place. I think the other part about this that is really interesting is they have the backing from the Ryan family and others. And in this new TV agreement that the Big Ten just signed, lots of levers to pull in as far as, okay, what do we want Northwestern football to be in the future? And this stems from not just your identity, but also what your offense and your defense looks like. If you watch Northwestern football, you know that it's mostly three about three yards in a cloud of dust. Now you get to kind of move away from that if that's something that you want to do, in addition to keeping your really, really outstanding academics on track. I mean, anybody that knows Northwestern knows about Northwestern Journalism School and how much they value it, and frankly, how many great journalists have come out of it. If you can get that sort of excellence from your journalism school over to your college football team, I think you're going to be very excited about it. Other part to take in, uh, into account here is I think we need to take a look at who they're going to make at least the interim head coach as they get started going into preseason camp and whether or not that coach gets an opportunity to win the job. We saw this last year with Nebraska and Mickey Joseph. They ultimately went to, with Matt Rule. We also saw this last year with Wisconsin with Jim Leonard. They ultimately went with Luke Fickle. And that's usually how these things go. The interim does not usually get to stay on as the head coach. And if he does, it's not usually your long-term commitment. It's usually a year or two to get you to the next person that you want to actually have an imprint on the program. I think that you're playing with found money this year if you're a Northwestern football fan too, right? Last year, uh, the joke is they did not win a game inside the continental United States, right? They go to Ireland, they win a football game against Nebraska. Okay, cool, right? Uh, that's the joke. But 
as the Big Ten continues to get bigger with 16 teams coming in 2024, and as we're leading toward two power conferences in the SEC and the Big Ten, you still have an opportunity here because Northwestern is leagues ahead of, say, Vanderbilt, which I like to think is the cop there, right? You're looking at the academically sound, rich institution that you really want to know, is it going to pull its weight in football? You're probably going to compare Northwestern to Vanderbilt, and I think Northwestern is head and tails above where Vanderbilt is relative to their station in the SEC, relative to their station in the Big Ten. You also get an opportunity to, if you need to do some healing, do some healing, right? You get an opportunity to, to grieve, to talk through some, uh, some issues that the university itself is still having to work out, and you get to reset. And I think they're in a great place to do that because their athletic director is Dr. Derek Gregg, who is a man that I have tremendous respect for, and I count as a mentor. He was the athletic director of the University of Tulsa. And in between being the athletic director of the University of Tulsa and the athletic director at Northwestern, he also worked in the NCAA. And his background is in compliance, which is, you know, another way of saying he wants to do this right. He wants to do this the right way every step of the way. And I think he's going to be in a really good spot to help Northwestern figure out what is next for its football program, which I need to say is in a really great place, despite severing ties with Pat Fitzgerald as the head coach. Other part about this that I love about Dr. Gregg's background is he played football. He played wideout at Vanderbilt. So he understands what it means to play football at a program that might not be the best athletically, but certainly has a very rich history academically. And what's it going to take to get him to that next level, both at Vanderbilt as a player and then the University of Tulsa, where I went to undergrad, we're not too proud to say it. Like to think of ourselves as the Harvard of the Midwest, even though there's only one Harvard and it ain't in the Midwest. You get the point there, right? That's what you're trying to do at Northwestern. I'm also very curious to see just what some of the recruits have to say about what's going on, how they're going to stay committed. I've already heard from some that say, I wanted to go to Northwestern. I think I still want to go to Northwestern. I think that's good news. I think how this is being handled over the last couple of weeks is also, or I should say even the last week, has been pretty decent, all things considered, right? Like you're in a tough spot here as a Northwestern fan trying to root for your football program. And I understand that. Um, I understand feeling conflicted. I was conflicted this time last year when Kale Gundy was forced, re forcibly removed from the Oklahoma football program. And that really hurt me. I even broke down in tears here on the show talking about it because it's your program, right? There's not a whole lot of things that mean more to us as graduates of a university than our football program, especially if we are season ticket holders. And I'm speaking to you specifically if you're a Cats fan. I think the next steps are crucial, right? The next steps need to be about repairing, right? Understanding what your new protocols are and understanding why some of the things that they have been uh, reprimanded for by their university matter. Like I'm going to point out some of these things that I think need to be talked about or at least mentioned when President Schill said, hey, uh, we're going to do some things like mandatory annual training along the lines of hazing, which is allegations that were levied at the Northwestern football program while Pat Fitzgerald was head coach. Reason to believe those two things are related in why he was relieved of his duties. But they also don't get to, uh, to practice at Camp Kenosha anymore, which inside of Northwestern is a very big deal, right? They go to Camp Kenosha each preseason camp to bond, right, to enjoy each other and to get away. And a very, remember the Titans two-a-days kind of situation where it's just them, it's just the program, it's just the football team as they prepare to try to put an assault on a Big Ten football schedule, right? 
I think that they're going to have to find new traditions. They're going to have to find new ways of not just talking to each other, but talking to the public about what they're doing. And this is going to be hard, but it's necessary. And I think you can do it. I think you're going to be in a good spot. So when we get back to talking about Northwestern football come Big Ten media days, I'm sure we'll have more to discuss. But this is where I wanted to take the conversation. I wanted to move it forward. I wanted to talk about what Northwestern football could be. And future is actually pretty doggone bright. You just got to make the right step the next couple of ways here. All right. Let's go from that to a second in our versus series, which you know, has been very popular. I got to say, when we did LSU versus Ohio State wide receivers, y'all had lots to say. So now we're going to take a look at offensive line, Michigan versus Notre Dame. And I think this was a little bit more involved because if you're an offensive line guru, yeah, you know that these two programs produce a bunch of talent. But if you're going to knock them head to head, Who's better at producing talent? And both of these teams love to run the football. Both of these teams are very proud of their offensive line tradition. Uh, and both of these teams have had some outstanding draft picks that they developed at East Day's institution. So I came up with a rubric that I'm going to give you to try to identify which one of these programs, Michigan or Notre Dame, is better at producing offensive linemen. This is another disclaimer. This is not an OLU segment. This is a Michigan versus Notre Dame segment. Okay. Different discussion. So let's start with points and how they're awarded to each program. 25 points for a Joe Moore Award win. So, you know, there's only been around since 2015. And that's why I have it on par with 25 points for a Remington Award win. Because I get the Joe Moore Award as a team trophy. And I know that it means the world to offensive line rooms. I mean, Bill Bedenboe made that very clear when Oklahoma first won that award. But seeing as it doesn't have a big sample size... I didn't want to make it that much more weighted than, say, the Remington Award, which has been around since 2000, and we have more data to pull from and more opportunities to win the trophy, right? That's my way of trying to be fair. So 25 points for a Joe Moore Award win, 25 points for a Remington Award win, because you're going to have one of those asterisks there because we're going to get to it. And then 18 points for a first-team All-Pro selection, and then 15 points for a first-round draft pick, 15 points for a consensus all Americans, big one. And then one point for each round you had a player draft, which means I just dropped the part where I just said one point for each round after the first. I just gave you the extra point because more points is more points, right? So let's go through the math real quick and see how these two teams stacked up to give us something like an empirical uh, explanation for why one might be better at, than the other at producing offensive linemen. Okay. So University of Michigan had 22 total offensive line draft picks since 2000, which is where I started all of these. I went back to 2000 because I can get data from 2004. And if we go any farther back, we start playing with different eras of football. And I'm not interested in counting offensive linemen that were drafted post-World War II. Different kind of football. I mean, if I wanted to be frank about it, I didn't want to go back to integration, 1970, right? Let's keep it at 2000. 21 offensive line draft picks from Notre Dame. Since 2000 means 21 points. So 22 to 21 already, they're neck and neck. Five first-round draft picks from Michigan, right? That's five times 15, 75 points. And then the same amount for Notre Dame, which I did not expect. Five first-round draft picks for Notre Dame, 75 points. Six first-team all-pro, all excuse me, not all-American, first-team all-pro selections for Michigan, but 
Steve Hutchinson has five of those, and Jake Long has one. Steve Hutchinson made first-team All-Pro five times. That was that blew my mind. I went to go look at that. It's like, is that right? So, yeah, Steve Hutchinson's got five of the six for the University of Michigan. But there are seven first-team All-Pro selections for the University of Notre Dame, for which Zach Martin has six, which led me to think, you know, Zach Martin, one of the two greatest guards to ever play football. You know, Anthony Munoz over there. And then Zach Martin, it's a good discussion. What We're going to get to another Notre Dame player here, I assure you. And then one uh, all-pro selection, first team for Ronnie Stanley. So that's six for Martin, one for Stanley. That's seven all-pro selections. So you got 108 for the six for the, uh, Michigan, and you got 126 for the seven from Notre Dame. Okay. There were two Joe Moore Award wins for Michigan over the last seven years. That's ridiculous. But also... Tip of the cap to Jim Harbaugh and his ability to put outstanding offensive lines out because you got to see the product of such a thing in 2022 when they were able to basically get Blake Corum whatever room he needed to be great. And then when he was not able to go, the same thing was true of Donovan Edwards. And that's just the 2022 group, which is outstanding. Notre Dame has not produced a Joe Moore Award winning offensive line yet. Uh, or excuse me, they've done one. They got one. 2017. Because I remember I put this down and producer Tyler was like, no, nah, we got that one. I said, you know what? You're right. So that's 25 points. Three Wilmington Award wins for Michigan. And one of those actually had two Remington Award winners, which I did not expect to see. But that's 75 points for them. And then zero Remington Award wins for Notre Dame. That's the zero that I actually got right the first time. And then Consensus All-Americans. This one was a little bit interesting to me if for no other reason than Consensus All-American, I think, is much harder to come by than First Team All-American. Because, well, the FWAA and, say, the AP are not always in lockstep. So having someone that is getting four out of five, right, is important. Especially since we got a lot of first-team All-Americans. And the reason I say we got a lot of first-team All-Americans is that's a prerequisite for getting into the College Football Hall of Fame. If you have not been voted to a first-team All-America team, you are ineligible as a player to get into the College Football Hall of Fame. So University of Michigan— has had six consensus All-Americans. Steve Hutchinson, who's a monster, David Bass, Jake Long, Dave Mulk, and Victor Oluwatemi, Olu, Oluwatemi, right? Uh, that's two for Steve Hutchinson and two for Jake Long, who just outstanding uh, to get him to six. That's 90 points for 15 piece. Consensus All-Americans for Notre Dame, four, right? Ronnie Stanley, Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, and Liam Eichenberg. Now, Quentin Nelson is also that dude that I was alluding to when I was talking about Zach Martin, one of the three best guards of all time, right? And now I'm looking at it. You've got an argument for two Notre Dame products, perhaps being two of the three best guards to ever play football. I mean, you take it back to Quentin Nelson and maybe getting robbed of, of a trophy here or there during his last year at Notre Dame because the more I hear offensive line folks talk about Quentin Nelson, the more I'm made to understand that he's just an absolute freak. The things that he's able to do are not things that you're supposed to be able to do, period. And the idea that he plays guard and does those things, which mo many people think is the least skillful position on an offensive line, blows their minds a little bit more. So what is the final tally on these things? Well, turns out Notre Dame was able to accumulate 307 points across this rubric that I created. But that was nowhere near close to Michigan's total of 419 points. So 
2023, going back to 2000, using the criteria such as first team All-Pro, Remington Award winner, Joe Moore Award winner, first round draft picks, the lot of it. Michigan has just been that much better at producing offensive linemen than Notre Dame. All right. Now, let's get to, well, my favorite interview so far this July, as I'm going to do a bunch of them, where I talked to 2024 Texas Christian commit Haas Haney and his father. Take a listen. I'm pleased to be joined by 2024 Texas Christian quarterback commit Haas Haney. Haas, how you doing? I'm doing great. Just happy to be able to be on the show. So excited. Well, man, I'm excited to have you because, number one, I, I love a quarterback that can get up and go. Right. And sure. I understand that's the calling card right away for you. So let's let's start with that. You always been fast. I've been fast since I came out of the womb. I mean, when my mom had me, she was obviously in college. So, you know, those genetics were real fresh like when, when I was born. So, you know, ever since I put the pads on or the flags on, first of all, you know, we're in running around the bases. I was always fast. So, I mean, I, I'm, I was fast ever since I can remember. Goodness. So. You've been fast ever since you can remember, and and we got we got dad over to your left over there. Dad, poke your head in over here. Say hi. What's up? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, stay in here because I, I mean we'll include. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, let, I'm gonna take it back to start for a second here. I'm educating people. All right. It's not just that you're fast, you run ten six. It's also that your name is Hoss. Okay. And it Hoss is. Haney. So, uh, Dad, I'm gonna throw this to you. How did you get past mom naming him Hoss? Let me tell you something. I married, I married up big time. Uh, she was a hoss of an athlete herself. Grew up in the Western world, um, multiple sport athletes. She ran track and played basketball TC, so way better athlete than I was. She just understood it. She just, she just got it. And, uh, you know, my very first Pee Wee football coach, um, when I was little, I played middle linebacker and I played quarterback. And so I called the plays on defense, called them on offense. And uh, he used to put his arm around me and he called me Hoss. And I felt like I was 12 feet tall. So, again, that's that's where it came from. Goodness. And it's kind of – it's already got me into trouble because I, I, I've been texting with your Hoss, and, and now it autocorrects in my phone because it used to be H-O-S-S in my phone. You know, now it's H-A-U-S-S. So, yeah, I already got that going on. So I can't wait to see what all goes on when you get to Texas Christian. But let's start with that. Why did you decide to commit to Texas Christian? Well, obviously, I mean, both my parents went to TCU, and I've grown up around it my whole life. And, you know, I grew up in the training room when I was, you know, a couple months, a couple weeks old. I mean, the trainers were my babysitters. I grew up chewing on mouthpieces, getting my ankles taped by all the trainers. So I just bleed purple, and, you know, I'm biased, obviously. You know, TCU's always been my dream school, and, you know, I've worked my whole life to be able to put myself in a position, you know, hopefully one day play at TCU. You know, obviously, I was obviously going to look at other schools and stuff, and, you know, find the best place for me. But at the end of the day, I, I looked at all the options I had available, but, um, you know, TCU ended up being the best fit for me. Coach Bryles, uh, Coach Dykes, love both of those coaches, and I want to play for them. So, um, and another thing is, you know, I got my senior season ahead of me, and I felt comfortable with TCU, and I'm going to feel comfortable with TCU throughout this process. And, you know, I just wanted to get that out of the way so I can focus on my team that I'm on right now and, you know, go through my summer workouts and just not worry about the recruiting thing, going on business and stuff like that. And just focus on right here, right now. And, you know, have a good, have a good senior season. Well, 
taking it back to that junior season, which was pretty doggone good, I might add, it felt like you were lockstep with Texas Christian there. You were winning. They were winning. Uh, obviously, you end up with belt, but they come up just a little bit short. Uh, what do you think about Texas Christian and their 2022 season, which I don't mind saying is the best season in Texas Christian history? I don't give a good damn about the 13-0, and 0, right? It's Last year you played for the Nash Championship. You're pretty doggone good. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, it, going back to, you know, us going belt and belt, you know, it's probably like my dad's favorite sports season of all time because, you know, <laughs> obviously TCU does well in his son's first year starting a quarterback, you know, um, us winning the state championship and them obviously going to the um, the national championship. Um, it, it it was surreal to see it. You know, me obviously playing, you know, then TCU obviously doing good, um, you know, especially for Coach Dykes in his first season um, at TCU to be able to, you know, do what he did. I and mean, that's just props to, you know, his amount of, you know, hard work and, you know, just keeping his nose nose to the stone and keep going. And um, especially for the, for the players to go from one coaching staff to the other, to just have trust in the coaching staff. It just props to, you know, his, um, I don't know, how he, you know, presented himself to the players. They obviously bought into what he had to say when he first stepped into the, to the position. So it was awesome to see. I don't think we're going to see a turnaround like that ever again from five and seven to playing in a oh. national title game. Uh, it be rare. Yeah. Even without winning the big 12 championship, which I was, I was amazed to see the college football playoff selection committee still thought that highly of mm-hmm. Texas Christian. That's, that's usually the Oklahoma play, right? As you get in there on the strength of who you are. And obviously they respect what Texas Christian is. So knowing that you're going into the summer, a rising senior, right? But you also got to compete at elite 11 where you turn some heads what was it like for you to match up against what is the best of the best among this nation in the 2024 class of quarterback? I mean, it went as expected. I knew I was going to go in there and there was going to be a bunch of, you know, it was the top 20 quarterbacks in the nation, hands down. I mean, I want to say hands down, but it was definitely, you know, I would say the best quarterbacks in the nation. Hey, country. I say hands down. How about that? <laughs> it was hands down the best quarterbacks in the country. But um, it was a great experience. You know, you, you come in there, you see all these news on social media, and you know how they are as a person. It was just good to get to know them and just be around, the, be around the guys that are in similar positions as you, you know, that have gone through this tough quarterback recruiting process and, you know, get there to go out on the field and, you know, throw it around with them and just have fun. I mean, it, it was just a fun deal. It wasn't like a stressful thing at all. I mean, yeah, you wanted to, you know, compete and do your best and, you know, show what you're made of, but um, it was cool just to go out there and hang out and um, just soak it all in. So. Well, you grow up a TCU fan, right? You grow up a Horned Frog, and you've seen all of this attention get paid to Texas Christian. I want to say for the first time since maybe 2010 when you had Andy Dalton and Coach Patterson doing what they were doing. How have people changed treating you knowing that you are a quarterback commit to Texas Christian following national title runner-up season? So I've never been – I mean, I try not to think about how people have treated me, you know, being committed to TCU, I mean, I don't want to like boast myself, like think of myself as, you know, I'm committed to TCU. I'm just Haas that's, you know, going to be friendly to people and, you know, you know, you know, just be humble. So I, I really don't recognize when people treat me differently. Obviously people come up to me, you know, like, oh, you're, committed, you're the quarterback committed to TCU. You know, I, I just try and be nice to kids because, I mean, obviously the kids in Elite, though, they know like, oh, Austin, you're committed to TCU. They're going to come up to you and be like, Oh, you know, what's this like? What's this like? Uh, you're so cool. Like, you know, how did you do it? And um, I want to be like you one day. So I just try to be in the moment and, um, you know, be as friendly as I can and um, 
just have a smile on my face when I'm around people that, you know, know who I am, obviously. So, yeah. Well, you are doing this interview from a facility that your pops there helped, well, I guess, built himself, right? Tell me about this place where you guys are working out. So my dad, he's, I, I couldn't even tell you how, how long he's been like, you know, wanting to build this facility. He's been wanting to do it for, shoot, I would say his whole, his whole, ever since he could think of building an indoor facility at this house. Um, but uh, it's, it's got, it's got 20 yards of indoor and then 20 yards outside. So it's 50 yards full. Um, this, we got a little barn door that like opens up. It's got like hydraulics on it. So you can do inside and outside. Um, we're, we're in a little conference room right here and uh, you got like little kitchenette and, you know, little table in the middle and you got, he's, he's got his office over here and you got a bedroom over here. It's kind of like a hotel style, I would say. It's where Mac Jones stayed last week and, and he we, came down to throw. We had okay. Mac okay. We had a little, little quarterback camp and you know, there's a weight room downstairs. You can do anything you want down there. You got a cold plunge downstairs, a sauna downstairs, and we have a full-time physical therapist that does physical therapy downstairs and his and hers bathroom, you know, showers and stuff. And got a basketball court, pickleball court, and got a little hidden tunnel over there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a man's, a man's dream, I would say. And my dad, my dad, Dad, it doesn't look like you have any, uh, giving him any reason to leave over there. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Sounds like you got it all there in one go. Man, it was, hey, it's been a labor of love. We've enjoyed it. We, I enjoyed the process. It was fun. Um, and uh, we're already getting to enjoy it a ton just because, like, I coach my middle son's, uh, you know, baseball team. And we come out here and we've had to have practice. I mean, everybody in North Texas, the weather, so, you know, it, it, it can it can change a ton, as we all know. And everybody's looking for turf and a roof. And, man, I just kind of try to combine both worlds because, you know, I have, you know, I, I need an office for myself to, to take care of business. And then. I'd love to just be able to have an area that I can enjoy. People can enjoy. Haas has already been able to bring teammates over here and get physical therapy and um, and hang out and have a good time. We had a little football camp here last week. Haas and Matt Jones, they've trained together since they were in eighth grade. And, you know, he came and stayed with us. And I always visualize, I'm like, man, when these guys come to town and train with you and do different things, it'd be funner to have them here rather than, than having to get a hotel. So I don't know. It's just uh, – I Googled it every way I could Google it, sports barn, and uh, I couldn't find the blueprint for it. So what we created, I think, is one of a kind. There might be other ones out there, but I couldn't find them on the Internet. Otherwise, I'd rip those plans off if I could, but I didn't. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you did one hell of a good job. I mean, I'm just listening to you talk about it and seeing what we see there. I'm terribly impressed. Uh, Haas, Dad mentioned Mac Jones a couple times there and that you guys have been training together. If anything, what have you learned from a dude that won a national championship at Alabama and went in the first round to New England Patriots? You know, it's, there's really there's only a few factors that, you know, like separate, you know, the good college players from the great college players, you know, the NFL QBs. I mean, everyone, everyone's human. You know, he's just he's just a normal dude. That's what I've realized throughout this process is all these high-level quarterbacks are – they're just normal kids. I mean, he's, he's 25 years old, just fresh out of college, just just bought a house. You know, he, it just takes another another level of work ethic and focus and attention to detail. And he has all three of those things when it comes to his film study. You know, the way he takes care of his body, which he's had to work on because he didn't have the good habits. And you know, he's he's honed in on that. And those are really the three main things is what I've learned from him. And it takes another level of 
focus. He's probably learned the most in the film room from him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've learned a lot. You know, I've been able to sit in the in the film room with him and you know pick his brain and just you know I've just seen what he what he knows knowledge wise. He he knows a lot about the game, and it's it's been good just to you know learn from him and see what he knows, and which just gives me a skill of like what I got what I really got to improve on, which is you know my 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 mental part of the game and you know really digging into the film and just making the game come slower and easier so yeah well i'm giddy about that because that's a man that got to learn from bill o'brien's gonna have bill o'brien a second time lord knows what rubbed off about steve sarkeesian and a guy that was a late bloomer right Uh, (laughs) wasn't the biggest guy in the world then he gets to alabama and he wins a job nobody thought he could win and he leads them to a nash championship in a plague year you know that's dream stuff there um hoss Man, we running up on time. I'm having such a great time talking to you, but this is what we got, dog. Uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. Is that okay? That's great. That's great, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Hoss Haney, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on the number one college football show. Dad, you've done a great job. Let me say so on the record right here, right now. Thank you so much for allowing us to speak with your son. Thank you very much. We appreciate you having us on. I appreciate you making the time for this. Thank you. Yes, sir. My thanks once again to Haas and his dad for taking time to join us here on the number one college football show. And that's going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Kyle Holly. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. Our lead screener are Jack Coakley and Torn Westfall. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all on Friday. Deuces. <laughs>